0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And welcome back to the Rock Shock Podcast. I'm your host Danny Mitts. Today we are previewing the Sunflower Showdown, um, you know, coming into the year. And for a good portion of the year, I thought maybe this was one that Kansas could potentially uh, sneak a competitive game out of we'll see if that potentially is a, still a possibility but hel- helping you to preview this game and give us kind of the skinny on the Kansas State Wildcats and where they are for the year joining me it's Scott McFarland of Bosco's Boys he's at Scott Wildcat over on Twitter Scott how are you doing today
1: I'm doing well we just uh wrapped up our live show we we, we do live shows over on Spotify Green Room. Uh, you know, put the puppy out, um, made sure he's not destroying anything. And I- I'm happy to come on with you. And, uh, you know, I've I've had a chance to talk with Jamie. I've had a chance to talk to Philip. I've been listening to your show. So it's like, all right, I, I kind of finally feel that uh, I- I've hit the last show that I want to be a guest on in this Big 12 lexicon of podcast <laughs> so I can rest easy, you know, rest of the fall knowing that I made it on with you.
0: Yeah, exactly. No, I feel honored, you know, that, that, that that's where you're at with that. But no, it's, you know, it's it's kind of funny because I always say, and for a while it was a running stick on the podcast here that I have never had the same uh, Kansas State guest on for for m- multiple appearances. Like I literally, I think I had gone, I've done, oh gosh, I think I'd done like 11 different shows previewing Kansas State in some fashion and had yet to have a repeat guest until I did the preview of Kansas State before the season with uh with Ryan over at uh, gopowercat.com. dot com, so yeah, it's been uh it's been quite a ride to, to figure out all the different people you know that that are kind of tangentially related or paying attention to this Kansas State team, and yet um you know not not having one on that that made enough of an impression that uh, I was going to have them come back all the time. So hopefully this is a you know. I've listened to Bosco's boys, you know, kind of trying to keep up with Kansas state that way, because I'm going to be completely honest. It's hard to find good Kansas state podcasts for whatever reason. Um, but definitely excited to have you on. Definitely excited to kind of dive into this team. Cause let me tell you, it's been quite a ride for Kansas state fans this year. Um, you know, coming into the year, obviously, I think there were some, some pretty decent expectations with, with Skylar Thompson. And then he gets injured pretty early in the season. And it's been a roller coaster ever since. So, what what were the expectations for this team coming in, and how have they lived up to them so far this year?
1: Yeah, so I, I think it always kind of depends on who you talk to. I think K-State fans inherently have a kind of a larger pessimistic side to their fan base than most because um, there were some folks who were saying, hey, you know, hopefully you, you go to a bowl game. Then there are other folks like me. I talked myself, you know, into at one point, you know, going, I think my official prediction on our show was nine and three. I talked myself into it. And then, you know, we have a segment of fans, the Boneheads. Uh, we, we, we did a live preview show where every single Bonehead got to do their prediction. By the end of it, we had guys predicting that we were going to win the Big 12. So I think you had a big spectrum. I, I think most level-headed K-State fans said, hey, look, you know, this could be a seven to eight win team the optimistic folks saying maybe nine, maybe something special. Uh, But when, when Skyler goes down, you all of a sudden, and then you struggle with an FCS team in that second game, because everyone was riding high after that Sanford game, Uh, a lot of pessimism. You then find a way to spank Nevada, very good Nevada team. And all of a sudden people are thinking, all right, let's see what we can do. Then the Oklahoma state game happened. That was a disaster, you battle hard with Skylar Thompson versus Oklahoma, but it's still a loss. The very disappointing game versus Iowa State, it's a loss, and then all of a sudden, uh, K State fans were at a headwind. And I, I said it on our show: K State fans aren't special. They're not. Uh, they're They're not going to be these crazy over the top diehards like you know the Buffalo Bills fans in the NFL. Uh, you lose three games in a row. There's going to be pessimism. There's going to be angst. There's going to be all this type of stuff. Chris Kyman made an unfortunate comment to the press, which I, I I think he just misworded. I don't think he truly was asking the press to be nice. I think he was trying to send a message to the fans. Um, but, it, but it comes off bad. Everything's not looking good. Fans are melting down pretty hardcore after going down 14 to nothing versus Texas Tech. But you come storming back versus them. You have a dominant performance versus TCU. I think every K State fan is chalking up Saturday already as a win. Uh, whether or not they should be doing that can be another question. So then, you know, in our mind, we're already six and three, and then it's like, okay, what can you do from here? Can you get an upset versus a now hot West Virginia team? And then you have Baylor and Texas down the road to improve your bowl game. So it's really been a roller coaster season uh, from the start to this point.
0: Yeah, I was to say I I have not made it. Uh... Any kind of secret that I, I'm not a big believer in Skylar Thompson. Um, you know, yep, I, I do. I, I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I do think. I, you know, I I definitely value the experience that he brings. Um, but in terms of the ceiling, and 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 it's probably just a comparative exercise where I don't necessarily think his ceiling is as high as a lot of these other quarterbacks that are in the big 12 now granted his floor is probably a lot higher than than a quite a quite a few of them as well so i would argue his
1: floor is higher than any quarterback in the big
0: 12 and 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 i would actually be yeah fairly supportive of that argument so like you know for the most part what you're going to get as a as a baseline but you're probably not going to get a whole lot better than that and so the question has always kind of been what does he have around him you know he he seems to me as a guy that is is going to be like an alex smith type you know, game manager, where he can make some plays if he's got good talent, but he's not going to go out there and make everybody a whole bunch better. And he's not going to go out there and win a game for you if he doesn't have a whole bunch of, uh, like, a lot of talent surrounding him to help him actually do that. So that's always kind of been my take with him. And my question for this Kansas State team has always been, well, who are you putting around him? Like, last year, basically all he had was Deuce Vaughn because the wide receivers that were there didn't really step up to the plate the, the way that you expected him to. This year, though... I mean how how has the rest of the talent on the team come along cuz I know that there were some questions about it coming into the year um when when I spoke with with Ryan over at gopowercat.com before the year you know he was he was talking about how that's kind of the big question is you know which receiver is going to step up is there going to be one that actually steps up H- have they had somebody really kind of emerge as that guy to take that role or you know two or three different receivers that that Thompson can actually count on week in and week out to help him move the passing game along
1: Yeah, so week in, week out, it's not the same guy. Um, If you look at, you know, the stat line, the receiving stat line, you know, Malik Knowles went over 100 yards receiving uh, once this season, and that was in the uh, Southern Illinois game when Skyler went out hurt. He got those before Skyler even went out. He got that in the first half. But I don't think you've had another uh, wide receiver go over that. But he moves the ball around. Probably, I, I truly believe he distributes the ball to all these different targets better than any college quarterback currently. Any given game, he's going to complete passes to seven, eight, nine, even up to 12 different pass catchers in a game. None of them are going to have more than three. You're lucky if one of them is going to get into the 90-yard range, but it doesn't matter. He doesn't get keyed in, and I think that if you don't have that game-breaking wide receiver, which uh, Malik Knowles, on his best, can be that, but you don't see his best enough. Um, Deuce Vaughn can do it, but he's being asked to carry the ball more than he was last year. Uh, Daniel Matterbebe is good for maybe one or two big plays a game, but he's you know been he's a six-year player. He's had a season-ending injury his five previous years in college football. Yeah. So no, he doesn't have that go-to guy. But he's able to find Landry Weber. He's able to find all these random dudes to pick up 20 yards when you need it most. And I think that's why Skylar Thompson, in my opinion, is underappreciated because it doesn't matter who he's throwing to. If they can get open, he can find a way to get them the ball.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I would definitely say that that that's probably what is probably the most underappreciated about him is the fact that he is able to find so many guys. And and you're right, that is an asset on on, on a team where you don't have a go-to receiver. It is an asset to be able to have that rapport that you need with enough different receivers that you can go to one of them in a big spot. Um, you know, that does also kind of make it, I think a little bit difficult um, both on an opposing defense to try to take away guys in, in key situations, but also on the offense as well, you know, not necessarily knowing who the ball is going to go to, you know, and like not, not having that stability and, and that confidence to know for sure, Hey, this guy we can count on to get us a big catch when we need it. That, that could be good. That could be get bad. It just kind of depends. Deuce Vaughn obviously is, is the guy, um, you know, that, that you really rely on as a team here. Um, I mean, would you say though, just, just based off of what I'm seeing here, he is roughly 50% of the offense that this, that this team has put together, um, so far this year. Like, do you think that there's a point where it's becoming too much for, for Deuce Vaughn and what he's doing or, or is that not really a concern that, that there's too much on his shoulders in terms of offensive production?
1: No, I I don't think it is too much because uh, they're doing it in different ways. And if you look at the game, and, and I don't expect anyone except for K-State fans to watch uh, every single snap, but he's not taking big hits. He is the smartest running back that I have ever seen play at K-State. He knows how to contort his body. He knows when to get out of bounds. He knows when to get down. He I think he's taken truly like one big hit in his now – whatever it is, 15, 16 games of college football. So he's durable, he's smart, and he has the ability. Is it ideal to depend on a guy that much? No, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say, yes, this is you know the ideal thing. But when you don't have another playmaker who's up at that level, or when you have a guy like Deuce Vaughn, again, a, a guy that there are so many great running backs in the big 12. It's funny how we, the conference went from having all these different quarterbacks pass happy to now, you know, five out of the 10 teams, having elite college running backs. There isn't one quite like Deuce Vaughn who's able to do it in so many different ways. And I think when you have that type of a guy, it's a disservice if you're saying, eh, we're going to put a cap on how many times he touches the ball. Um, So if you, if you want to win games, which that's what Chris is here to do, he's here to try to win games. You're not going to limit how many touches or be like, eh, you know, Deuce has gotten it too much. Let's take him out. So I, it's not ideal, but it doesn't worry me.
0: Yeah, it's it's also one of those things, though, like he is probably the only true go-to guy that they have here on on the team. So, like, you know, if they need a big play, that's probably who they're going to. Um, which means that you uh, probably sure, have, have about uh, it, a fifty-fifty shot of shutting them down if you know you key in on Deuce Vaughn all the time. Now, granted, you still have to be able to stop him.
1: But and, and well, and that's true. I, I'm 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 not trying to say that's not accurate. But we we've seen in multiple times this year that they key in on Deuce Vaughn so much. Daniel Matterbebe, who I'm a short, fat, obese white guy, I can run almost as fast as him we've busted <laughs> off massive play action pass touchdowns to this guy. We've done these fake jet sweeps and picking up 40 yards on stupid tunnel screens to Philip Brooks, who I'm taller than I, I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, but I, I think that's kind of giving a disservice to yes, you're keying in so much, but your K state is good for three to four 20 plus yard plays a game that are not do so.
0: Fair, fair. Um. Yeah. So, I mean, definitely, I think having Skylar Thompson back to be able to spread it around like that and do that, you know, they they did have trouble doing that sort of thing when Will Howard was in. And I think part of that has to do with just rapport. And, you know, you, you can definitely tell that this team really respects what Skylar Thompson brings. Um. So regardless of how talented he is on the field, if you get that little extra something from having a guy like that in. Um, you know, we saw that with with Caleb Williams versus Spencer Rattler. Like, when, when Caleb Williams came in that game, you could just see the entire mood of that offense change for, for Oklahoma. So there's definitely something to be said there. Um, I do want to take a look, before we actually get even further into the offense for this particular game, I do want to ask, because, you know, things have definitely gotten better. You know, you talked about they had the three wins and had some struggles in in, in uh, that that game against Southern Illinois. And then the three tough losses at Oklahoma State home against Oklahoma and then home against Iowa state as well. You know, they did pick up two wins against Texas tech and against TCU. Um, the question there though, is, you know, it took a, an, an epic collapse from Texas tech in that game, in that second half of that game so, for Kansas and, state and to come I, back.
1: <laughs> Go ahead. All right. No, no, no. Continue. Well, well, I was going to say,
0: yeah, and then, sorry. and then of course, TCU right now, the way that they're playing, they very well could actually be the worst team in the big 12 right now. They have completely fallen apart at this point. So how much, how much of a positive sign do you see the last two weeks, or was it more of a we survived some really bad situations and hopefully we can build on that?
1: Yeah. So first, with the Texas Tech game, uh, we spotted them 14 points on basically we, we gave up two big plays on offense or on defense, which has has been an issue. Not going to try to say that's not an issue. And then that uncharacteristic fumble on a kicker turn and basically spotted them 14 points within the first three minutes. That sucks. But it wasn't some epic collapse by Texas Tech, because from that moment on, K-State dominated the game and it could have been a bigger win. But again, when you look at how slow the pace K-State plays, they're never going to be able to turn something around. But if you look from the 12 minute mark on in that first quarter versus Texas Tech, it wasn't a game. Again, we spotted them 14 points, that's fine, but I think the narrative of Texas Tech throwing that game away is uh, – and you're not the only one. I think that is grossly over-exaggerated uh, by folks who either didn't watch the game or they're trying to detract from K-State, uh, and that's fine. Then I mean, you can say that about TCU. They, uh, they're, they're, they're not in a good spot. They just fired their legendary coach. That's fine. Right, but still right. coming into that game, if you look at the advanced analytics – they're still one of the best offenses in the country and in the Big 12. They're explosive. and In both those games, K-State shut down two of the best wide receivers in the Big 12. Two of them combined, two games for under 15 total yards. So I, I'm not going to sit here and say that, oh, yeah, we, we, we beat the toast of the conference. But I think trying to qualify those wins is like, oh, it's the other team doing bad stuff. It's not K-State doing good stuff. It's doing a disservice. And then if you look at those first three games, again, we took Oklahoma to the wire, Skyler Thompson coming back from a dislocated knee, his very first game, can't hardly move, throws for 330 yards or whatever. Right. Uh, interesting review call away from that being a very tight game. And yes, we, we got dominated versus Oklahoma State with our third string quarterback playing the majority of the game because Will Howard yeah. got hurt. <laughs> and we, we lost, we straight up got our asses kicked by Iowa State on the scoreboard, although the advanced statistics said that we had a net success rate greater than theirs. So again, the scoreboard doesn't lie, but I, I think anyone trying to frame up you know the those gains is oh man, you know, K-State just just getting lucky is kind of ignoring the other side of the coin. And, of course, I'm a K-State fan, so I'm going to say that as
0: well. Yeah, well, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I definitely didn't want to discount the fact that Kansas State did come back in that game against Texas Tech. But, you know, there, w- there was enough there that that if Texas Tech had not completely collapsed offensively, if right? If
1: K-State wouldn't have started that game absolutely worse than any any game we've oh, ever no, started, fair, though, fair. then it's c- completely different. I, I don't think you get the you know, call balls on one team and strikes on the other. I think. Oh, no, no,
0: team. no, you, you, you're you absolutely right. I, I think my biggest takeaway from that game against Kansas State or that, that Kansas State-Texas Tech game was that both of these teams have some fairly serious problems but both of these teams, but both of those teams can play at a very high level if they buckle down and actually do it. And so that's really, I think, but the big question is moving forward is how, how consistent do you see that improvement being? Because yes, you know, TCU was coming into that game a fairly good offense, but they've been having a lot of struggles in the last couple games. You know, they, they completely fell apart against West Virginia, like the second half of that West Virginia game. Like there was definitely a lot of warning signs. And so a, a, a team like Kansas state, I think is very well equipped to match up with what TCU does anyway. Um, and so like, you know, I, I, I'm just struggling to figure out what exactly you can actually take from especially that, that TCU game. Like, is that a springboard for this Kansas state team moving forward? Or I mean, I, Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry.
1: Uh, I I was going to say, I would, I would like to think so because you you have that comeback in basically a very good final 47 minutes of, uh, or 57 minutes of the Texas tech game. You do dominate TCU. uh, and, And then again, they were the number one red zone offense in the country and you held them off the scoreboard on three different trips. You held their offense to three points total outside of the garbage time touchdown. I, I think that even w- if you want to say TCU is collapsing, anytime you can do that to a team with those type of athletes, uh, you know, that that is something to say, hey, yeah, that that's a springboard for the defense. And you have this game versus KU where you're going to hopefully be able to build on that, and then you get a wet, winnable game versus West Virginia. Now, if you lose the final three, then you can sit here and say, yeah, you know, you know, K-State was – the definition of mediocre this year, six and six, they beat the three worst teams in the big 12 and they lost to, you know, everyone else. I'm completely prepared for that to happen, but I I think trying to look at the first three games versus arguably the three best teams in the conference and try to take away the maximum, Oh, is the world on fire? And then not give credit for taking care of business in those two kind of and, and this is the argument that's going on inside the K-State fan base. Fair. It is something that fans are fighting with fans uh, because that's what fans will do. I, I'm choosing to believe, Hey, you know, you started off with a tough road in the big 12. You're going to have to play everyone sucks that you got all three of those, but there's no reason why you can't turn around and win the final six. I mean, Texas might be quitting. Like they might forfeit that game, you know, final game of the season there. <laughs> and you never know what might happen versus West Virginia. And, You know, Baylor, that's going to be way tougher than I thought it was going to be. So I'm choosing to believe it's a springboard towards hopefully what ends up being a very respectable, solid season for K-State.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I I definitely completely understand the whole arguing within the fan base, because let me tell you right now, there's a there's a pretty bad argument going on with Kansas fans right now. Um, I just had to spend half an episode kind of talking about that and, you know, whether there's any expectation that Kansas is ever going to be able to get this turnaround um, you know, it's, it's bad when, when that's what you're arguing about instead of, you know, is this going to be a mediocre season or potentially be a little bit more? So, um, but you know, this game, definitely there are, there are definitely some, some big implications for both of these teams. Um, you know, Kansas looking for an opportunity to kind of, um, improve their value and, and kind of improve their outlook for the rest of the season and Kansas state trying to secure that bowl eligibility. Um, you know, and then hopefully get a few upsets like you were talking about either way. I think whoever wins this game is an opportunity has a really good opportunity to increase their value um, with our partner here on the podcast that yes, I am talking about symbol symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your, your, your sports knowledge on symbol. You can trade sports teams like stocks and use every t- and, and get cash every time your teams win. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 8,000-plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Go to symbol.com, that's S-I-M-B-U-L-L.com to create a free account, and when you deposit, make sure you use the promo code CHOC12 for a money-back guarantee. Yep, you heard that right. Symbol's offering a money-back guarantee to all the listeners of our show and here on the 1012 Network. That money-back guarantee means that even if you lose money in your first 90 days, you can ask Symbol for a refund of your initial deposit, and they'll give you the entire thing back now. No questions asked. So go to symbol.com use promo code chalk 12 and your deposit will have a money back guarantee up to $500. Go ahead and head on over there and start investing and profiting off your favorite teams today. All right. So I do want to go ahead and turn over to the defense because I am very, very interested about what this defense is going to be able to do and, and how they're going to try to stop Kansas. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the rock chalk podcast. Basketball season is finally
1: Big 12 fans, and for your home for men's and women's basketball, come to Midwest Madness. We are doing game coverages, going over game analysis, different rankings of teams, and consistently looking at the best matchups in the conference. You're not going to want to miss out on all the amazing basketball coverage we have, so go check out Midwest Madness. Available wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: And we're back. All right, I am here with Scott McFarland of Bosco's Boys. He's at Scott Wildcat over on Twitter. Scott, I do want to talk about this defense because I am very curious. This is uh, this was expected to be kind of the strength of this team coming into the year. And, and I think for the most part, it has been, but there's definitely been some ups and downs for this defense as well um, that, that I don't necessarily think are related to injury. But looking at this defense, what is the 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 strongest unit for the Kansas State defense?
1: Yeah, it has to be the pass rush. And again, it's, Kind of a one man show. And I think K State fans were excited for Felix and DK Uzama coming into the season. But the real hope it was going to be Khalid Duke and even Boom Massey, who's back for a super senior season. But it's really been, you know, King Felix who's gone off and done that. And it really has been a one man show. And I think that kind of talks to the point where there has, have been some real defensive struggles uh, because it it really has been a one man show. I think coming into the season, there was a lot of uh optimism for the secondary. I I said myself, hey, this could be, you know, on the one and two lines the best group of outside corners in the Big 12. That has not been the case. We have struggled mildly versus the pass. We've had guys that have been in possession but have not or been in position but have not shown the ability to make the pass break up, go in there go in there and intercept a 50-50 ball and do some of those things that you would hope a big-time cornerback would be able to do. They haven't been there. Linebackers were something that we were all nervous about. I think that they've actually outperformed preseason expectations, but I think most of the expectations were uh, very low. I, I think there was a lot of angst amongst the fan base for not going out and finding a transfer who could come in and play at linebacker, and I think most of those frustrations probably are heard out. You have two solid guys, two caliber guys, but not much behind them. So that has been the more frustrating side of the ball. And I I think if, if KU is going to, you know, have an upset bid, I think it's going to have to be more of a shootout. And I, I, I hate saying this and, you know, I I didn't say on my own podcast because you play to your own fans, but I think KU is going to have the chance to score the score, the ball a few times and they can shorten the game and maximize their opportunities. I I think it might be a little bit more uncomfortable in the first half than K-State fans
0: want it to be. So what you're saying is they need to employ the Oklahoma strategy where you, you know, take all the time on the play clock, try to get huge long drives and really shorten the game, which is something that Kansas is actually able to do. And they've been able to do that fairly well, as long as they can, you know, get that first, first down. Like that's been their biggest problem is like, once they, once they get a first down on the drive, the drive tends to continue and they get rolling. Um, You know, the real question, I guess, you know, is 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 Kansas State much better at one one aspect of the defense in terms of like run or pass or or something like that? Or is it kind of been more just a general trying to get matched up against those individuals that aren't necessarily as strong and whether that's, you know, through the run or the pass at all?
1: Yeah. So if you look at the advanced analytics, we are very good against the run. But here's the caveat. If you're very bad against the pass folks aren't going to run the ball much on. Right. You. So I, 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 think that uh, the, the the numbers would say, Hey, we, we are good against the run. And if you kind of look back to previous games, yeah, you are better against the run. I, I could cherry pick some stuff and kind of exclude two massive runs by Brees Hall. And then it's like, Oh man, if you get rid of those two big runs, right. you held them to under two and a half yards of carry. You can't do that obviously. But I, I, I think that's, if a team is going to say, hey, we are going to line up and we are going to run it against you, you might get some big plays, but you know you better hope you get those big plays because you're, you're probably not going to be able to pick up 10 yards in four plays. You might be able to get 50 in one play, but you're not going to get 10 in four. I, and, that's probably the stupidest thing I've ever said. Well, right.
0: Was. You're either going to get a big hit or you're basically – what you're trying to say, or 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 the way that I took it is, you're not going to consistently be getting three or four yard chunks the entire way down the field. Like you, you're going to get some big plays, but you know you're going to have you're going to mix in those 10, 15 yard runs with one yard runs, which is not really a good way to keep a drive going. And I think that's always kind of been the question with Kansas is that, you know, they seem perfectly content to smash Devin Neal up into the line of scrimmage, let him get a yard or two, and then hope that he breaks a big one, which doesn't always work. Um, you know, especially since Kansas, for whatever reason, doesn't seem to be able to commit to mixing the pass in at a reasonable clip. Um, you know, that's the one thing they did against Oklahoma that I thought we hoped or that, that most fans were hoping would happen against Oklahoma State as well, is that you wouldn't just try to, you know, mash Devin Neal or Jason Bean, uh, you know, Kick, kick them out in the sideline to try to run a sweep or mash them into the into the offensive line because it just wasn't going to work. Um, they they went right back to that and didn't have a first down until the second half. So, you know, you've definitely got to hope if, if you're a Kansas fan that they're not going to go in with that exact same game plan. Um, the other thing, though, as well, is that I don't – I don't know that Kansas state has as stout of a defense as Oklahoma state does in terms of being able to stop that sort of thing over and over and over again, Kansas has to be able to mix in the past. Yes. But I think that Kansas state is going to give them a lot of opportunities. So what, what about the defensive secondary? Um, you know, is, is Kansas like they don't usually try to go over the top a whole lot, but they have had some success when they actually decide to do that. I think that's because they only do it if they think that there's a reasonable chance they're going to be able to get it more times than not. Um, You know, Is is that a place that people have been able to attack Kansas State successfully this year?
1: Yeah, so if you have a wide receiver who's capable of winning 50-50 balls, that is where K-State is going to struggle. Like I said, a lot of the times we have been in the correct spot. The secondary is, uh, for the most part, doing what they're supposed to, especially in man coverage. Get to zone, things are a little dicier. Uh, But if it's in man coverage, K-State, secondary is in the right spot they just have not been able to turn around make a play on the ball get an interception on a 50 50 so if you have a wide receiver is capable of taking advantage of that yeah that's something KU will be able to do another spot where they have been uh kind of gashed on a handful of plays throughout the year is you know right up the slot right up the middle whether it is miscommunication amongst linebackers nickel safety or if it's just, hey, you know, catching eyes in the back of the backfield, that has also been a spot where they've been a little bit vulnerable.
0: No, I mean, yeah, it's definitely- I, I'm, I'm
1: currently in a Twitter like argument with my brother right now. So uh, it's it, it, this this rivalry for us truly is like a house divided. He's a, a long term uh, KU football season ticket holder. He's a grad student at KU. We're a house divided. Oh, boy. Uh, so here we are. We're uh, arguing back and forth on Twitter. Uh, and in text messages. So we're really a perfect, uh, you know, caricature of this rivalry.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's actually kind of funny you say that, because, like, I, I married my wife and her, all of her family that pay attention to sports are all Kansas State fans, um, and mainly because I think they live out in the middle of nowhere in Kansas, you know, southeast Kansas. And so, um, you know, that's – Kansas State's bigger down in those areas, and I think it also helps the fact that Kansas has been horrible for quite a while. So um, – but, yeah, no, it's one of those things where I, I completely understand the whole – you know, Kansas and Kansas State divided houses sort of thing that, that goes on, especially here in the state of Kansas. I'm just glad that we don't have to deal with Missouri very often anymore because that that is an entirely way too toxic. But
1: um, we, we we get them in football the next two years. So we'll, we'll oh yeah, sure we get them, them in them
0: we you. we get them in football. Actually, I think we get them in football like, the next. I, I don't even remember the next years. time we get them. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You guys get them the next two. I think we get them the next two after that. So
1: we'll pound, we'll pound them for, for R2. We'll, you know, Lance can get them up and rolling by then. And then you guys can see. Yeah, there we go. Tag here.
0: teaming in Missouri, uh, you know, it's a, it's an, it's a big 12 pastime. So, all right. But yeah. So for this game in particular though, I, 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 I am curious. What do you think that the X factor or the biggest matchup is going to be for this game that determines who actually, you know, well, wh- whether Kansas can keep it competitive or not, I guess is really the way to ask that question.
1: So if, if, If you're asking me, like, you know, we we do keys to V on our show. If you're telling me to put on a crimson blue hat, I I would say the the key would be to try to turn K-State over and win the turnover battle, get those extra possessions. And then when you get into the red zone, you have to score six. Don't settle for seven, because at least since Skylar Thompson's come back, every single game, except for explicitly, of course, the Iowa State game, where uh, we went for went for three to try to take the lead instead of fourth and short uh, in the red zone. K State has been going for it on fourth down. Kleiman has trust Skyler once they get across the fifty that it's they're going to score a touchdown. So uh, you're not going to beat this K State team, you know, by kicking field goals. So you got to turn K State over. You can't turn it over. And you have to score touchdowns yourself.
0: Yeah. So I I am kind of curious though when when Kansas State is on offense, like you know what. What is going to be their main weapon? Because Kansas has actually shown quite the, the the pass rush ability with Kyron Johnson and then a few other guys kind of mixing in here. You know, it's it's kind of like they have the one main guy in Kyron Johnson, but a few other guys that can bring it from pretty much wherever to really kind of disrupt what's going on. They've been fairly stout against the run at, at big key moments this year. It hasn't been super consistent, but they've been able to, you know, when it's pretty clear that a team is going for fourth and short, they've been able to, to really kind of stop most of the time for the, for that sort of thing. And then, I mean, you have a guy like Kenny Logan in the, in the secondary who makes big plays, big hits on runs and has been able to break up quite a few passes. And Gavin Potter has made a lot of strides, even this year, being able to be all over the place as you know, that guy in, in the middle of the linebacking core, like what, what do you think Kansas state's biggest weapon is going to be against the Jayhawks? And what does Kansas as a defense need to do to disrupt what Kansas state's going to try to do?
1: So I, when I when I look at the two teams on paper, and then even when I watch it, I, I think ultimately, with, when K State has the ball on offense, KU's only hope is that they're going to shoot themselves in the foot. Um, for for better or worse, uh, even when skyler has been back, it is a, an execution error or a stupid penalty that sets you way behind the chains, or it is you know a, a fumble or a wide receiver. Open for thirty yards, dropping the ball. Um, that that is why K State doesn't score when Skylar's back. Points per possession, K State is third in the Big Twelve when Skylar Thompson's the quarterback. We are scoring between three and three and a half points per possession when he's out there, and you don't see a lot of teams up in the four range. So that that's and it's stupid. I I know, uh, and, and probably a little bit too down on KU's defense to put it like that. But that, that's truly how, when I look at the game, that's that's the only way K-State isn't going to score. If they if they do what they're supposed to do, I don't see, I, I can see them doing it running. I can see them doing passing. I can see them doing it any way they want if they don't shoot themselves on the foot. And that's probably the douchiest answer that's ever been well, said on your podcast. And I apologize for No, it, it's but, not. Don't worry. Skylar Thompson's out there. Uh, it's only us shooting ourselves in the foot.
0: Yeah, I I do think it's one of those things that this Kansas defense has shown, at least in the last, well, especially against Oklahoma, the ability, I think, to surprise some people and feed off of the crowd energy at home, at least, and, and cause some of those, you know, mistakes. The question is, of course, always going to be just how disciplined is this Kansas State team? And I, I do think that that's probably the biggest thing they have going for them on the, on, on the offense is that they are extremely disciplined, which is going to make it difficult for Kansas to really force them to make mistakes. But Kansas is going to have to be in a position where, you know, if Kansas State does have an error like that, that they can take advantage of it. Because, you know, that that was kind of the, the thing against Oklahoma. They They took advantage of half of them, and they really needed to get all of them in order to have an opportunity to win that game. I don't know that Kansas State's going to give them as many opportunities as a team like Oklahoma does, uh, because Kansas State doesn't play that high variance style of offense where you know they're they're slinging the ball all over the field and you can potentially step into a throwing lane or you can you know get a bad rollout and he's making a throw that's a little underthrown or something like that. So um, you know I, I definitely think that this is going to be a game that is much more important that when you get those opportunities you actually have to take advantage of them. I do think that Kansas is well prepared that they could they could do it. The problem is going to be just making sure that they actually take advantage of it when they get the opportunity, because it's not going to come very often. So, you
1: know, I will say, I will say as much of a Skylar defender, I am, he's had about one throw a game this year that if the defense takes advantage of it, it could have been a pick six. None of them have yet. So to that point, if they're in position and they can make that happen,
0: that's exactly what would need to happen for an upset bit. All right. So, so you heard it here first. Kansas is going to get a pick six against Skylar Thompson this year. This year. So no, <laughs> That's all right. They can get the pick six. I'm sure that Kansas State's going to return three t- punts for a touchdown, right? Um,
1: <laughs> no, you know not three. We're going to get at least one. Problem. I would
0: say that is the one thing we haven't talked about yet is special teams. Uh, it seems like that's kind of the thing for Kansas State every year. Um, is it just me not paying as much attention, or has that not necessarily been as explosive this year as it usually is?
1: Yeah, so that, that is, ironically enough, something that Coach Kleiman has ripped on like in multiple press conferences is that he does not think they are getting enough bang for their buck on special teams for how much they practice. So that, that is something that uh, has been interesting. We've, we, you, you know, Malik Knowles has taken back two kickoffs, uh, but we haven't really had a big punt return yet this year. We've come close on a couple of pump blocks, but not quite gotten there. Then we've also had some very egregious mistakes. So it isn't the special teams uh, performance that K-State fans are used to. And I think, and is kind of frustrated because he does put a lot of practice into it. He took that from the Snyder era that says, hey, look, we're going to put actual effort into special teams when other teams don't. And he hasn't seen, you know, enough return on that. So uh, will we see it on Saturday? I hope so. Uh, but, I mean, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I can't confidently say, yeah, we're going to see a big special teams play because, you know, more games than not we haven't
0: seen well, it's it's funny because, you know, Kleiman stepped into the perfect situation to be able to preach that message because that's what Bill Schneider's teams did forever. Like, you know, that was their thing with special teams and defense, um, you know, and then really, really good lines. And, and so, like, Kleiman stepped into, like, the perfect situation because he essentially could just pick up where Bill Schneider left off and do the exact same thing that he wanted to do. And it was just about keeping it going at that point. Um, but you're right. Like, okay, so it is it is good to know that I'm not crazy and have just missed stuff. They really have not been as explosive special teams wise as they typically are. Um, you're Which, accurate. You're which accurate. when, you know, that is typically what the calling card of your team is, that might be part of the reason why people are kind of underrate what Kansas State could potentially do this year. So um, it is kind of interesting. To, to, to think about it that way, but I am I am curious and I'm sure you probably were hoping that you were going to get out of here without me asking about this, but it was just two weeks ago that Chris Kleiman said to the media and I quote, I need you guys to be a little bit more positive so that we can get this thing turned around. Um, you know, is there context that's missing to that that soundbite or does it is like was that really as bad of a a thing for him to say in the press conference as it sounded once people actually pulled that bite out.
1: No, I was listening to it live when it happened, and, and I tweeted: uh, Chris Kleiman just made his first big PR mistake at K State. Um, the soundbite's bad. I think. I think what made it worse was how it was covered from inside of the press conference by some of the tweets that went out without the video clip. I'm not trying to defend the video clip. I'm not. I, I said it myself. This was the first big PR mistake, but I think it blew up beyond a point that should. Like I said, I think. I think I said it while we were recording that I, I I don't think it was his intention. I think he came in there and I think he was going to ask fans for positivity to try to point out some reasons why some of the negativity may be a little bit overblown, but the way he said it, all of us in the room, I I need your help the way he said that. And of course it's only the media people in the room. Right, Um, Right. He didn't say everyone watching or everyone listening. So I think he, he made a mistake there. I think some of the coverage of it blew it beyond proportion, but it wasn't a good soundbite. I'm not saying it was good, and I'm not even going to say that uh, it's being misquoted because it's not. I just think the initial reaction from some of the folks inside blew it up. And then, of course, when the soundbite isn't, uh, oh, you know, it's well, not mean, good. Like, It definitely like, sounds oh, like it was completely misquoted. It's like, oh, no.
0: No, it, it sounds was, like it was definitely it missing misquoted. some. It was it was missing some context, is what it sounds like.
1: But well, I think he didn't deliver the context. Right, word. right. It, I, it, it's I, I'm, not I'm, necessarily. I'm willing to criticize him. He did not deliver <laughs> right. it the way he should have. Yeah, it's it's, it's
0: not necessarily a. The reporters in the room didn't report out all of the context along with it. It was this is what he was trying to say. He didn't get the message across really well, and of course, given the circumstances, it sounded a whole lot worse than he really intended it to be. Now, granted, you know, Kansas State has played fairly well. Since then, and, and and hopefully we won't be getting to another point where he's having to say something like that, um, even with the right context surrounding it or the message delivered the right way, because, you know, you do talk about how there is kind of that debate going on inside of the Kansas State fan base. But uh, but, uh, you know, it, it, I, I think that they're at least on the right track that as long as they don't get, you know, beat by Kansas this week, which I guess is theoretically a possibility, but I don't know that I'm necessarily planning on it. Um, you know, I, I think that most Kansas State Fans are going to be fully on board here at this point, getting the ball it's and moving forward. Here on the Rock Talk podcast, we're happy to have a brand new sponsor, Gridiron Metalworks. Gridiron Metalworks is where you can get high quality metal home goods for the college super fan in your life, whether that's you or someone else. Find collegiate branded grill grates, griddles, or any number of home decor items, including flower pots, stainless steel bookends, coasters, and can coolers. All of these are in actual school colors, not just the "oh, it's really close" colors that other manufacturers use. I personally have a Kansas desk plaque that has the Kansas Jayhawk head with the word Kansas next to it. Absolutely fantastic. Have it out on my on my uh, coffee table there. Everybody absolutely loves it whenever they come over. I have one of the stainless the, the stainless steel bookends too. It looks fantastic on my bookshelf. And I was able to have Gridiron make a sign with the Rock Chalk Podcast logo that hangs on my wall. It's absolutely fantastic. I love it. Um, you guys will love it too. Go to gridironmetal.com use promo code chalk 12 you can get 15% off your entire first order and all orders over $100 get free shipping they have so many great things whether it's grill grates grill accessories anything else you can think of I promise you that when you go make your first order you're going to get over $100 because they just have so much great stuff whether it's for you or the other people in your life that are you know huge sports fanatics as well best part is everything at gridiron metal is high quality and made in the usa and they continue to add new products for all the schools that they have all the time i you know head over to gridiron metal use that promo code chalk 12 get 15 percent off your entire first order and start saving today i do want to ask you though let's just go ahead and make it official what is your prediction for how this game is going to go
1: yeah um i every official median i've predicted ku3 K-State 93 cats by 90. That's kind of been our tagline. But no, I I think it's I think it's going to be closer in the first half than K-State wants it to be. I think ultimately it's going to get out to, yeah, you know, I think at halftime it might be a 24 to 10 type game, closer than they want it. I think ultimately they'll stretch it out. I think they cover the 24. I think uh, something along the lines of 45 to 17 probably is where it's gonna be. Um, so th- that, that's probably where if I was giving a non meme answer, I think that would be my official prediction.
0: Yeah. See, whereas I'm going completely the opposite direction. Um, you know, this is one of those things where I, I know I'm probably setting myself up for disappointment. Um, but this is one of those things. So I just, I see a Kansas state team that while it is on paper, better than Kansas, Um, They do have their own kind of issues. Kansas does have the ability, I think, to take advantage of some of them. And the things that usually Kansas State can just pound Kansas over the head with, they don't necessarily have this year. Kansas special teams are a lot better this year than they were last year. And Kansas State's aren't quite as good. And that is usually what allows Kansas State to get out to gigantic wins. Um, You know, when Kansas has gotten beaten by 30 points or so, it's because Kansas State has gotten one or two punt return or kickoff returns for touchdowns. And I just don't see that happening this year. Um, you know, I, I do think that Kansas State could get could could potentially get some big runs, but I don't think there's gonna be any special teams scores this year. Um, you know, and I actually see a game that's gonna be a whole lot more like the uh, the 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 prior game in Lawrence, you know, where it was like a twenty one seventeen game at the very end. Kansas State had to drive at the end to go ahead and win it, and then Kansas couldn't get a final drive to go ahead and score. Well, no, um,
1: that that was Bill Snyder's last game in Lawrence, a prior oh, one. Oh, was you're right. I'm US sorry. That was, that was that
0: was that was twenty seventeen, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. No. The, the last one was one of my all time favorites. By the way, well, I miss less.
0: I miss less.
1: Bring them back.
0: No. 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 That that is quite all right. You're right. I was definitely thinking of the 2017 game. Uh, no. The 2017. There that were was, two back to back. That was 30 to the 20. The last in the
1: Snyder era, could yeah. have
0: gone either way. So so the 20 to 18 game that was the one that was in Lawrence. Oh, that's right. I forgot with all the additional stuff they they flopped the order of them. Um, cause I'm so used to it going back and forth every year, but yes. So that was the final game in 2018, um, for Bill Snyder. That was 21, 17, Kansas, Really thought that Kansas was going to go ahead and pull that one off. But, I mean, I I do see this being a back-and-forth game. I do think that Kansas is going to have some success offensively. Um, Their defense is going to get a few stops that are going to make you kind of wonder, hey, what's going on here? I just don't think that Kansas has enough to go ahead and pull it off. But I do think that they have enough to go ahead and keep it close for a good portion of this game. I think going into the fourth quarter, it's probably going to be no more than a 10-point game. Um, And this is going to be one that Kansas State fans are probably going to sweat to, to the end of the game, but ultimately they're going to come out with the win. They're going to go ahead and actually get that ball eligibility. Kansas fans are going to say, hey, look, see, we really did see progress in that Oklahoma game, and we'll be able to go from there.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't think it goes that way, but but what I am going to say is uh, I, I, I've really started to try to become a convert to advanced statistics, and I do think sometimes those get lost, some of the nuance in it gets lost because if you look at a lot of the advanced statistics and you've seen some tweets and I've even done it before, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, uh, I I like, I like getting jokes off at the rival's expense because a lot of the advanced stats say that this is the worst KU football team in, you know, the modern statistical era Uh, that might be true. You, You got the win, So it's better than some of those, you know, zero win teams, but I do think that it loses some of the nuance in kind of ignores the fact that Lance didn't get in there. He didn't have a spring ball. The first practice was the first fall ball game. And while K-State has enjoyed more success in a more dominant run in this rivalry in my lifetime than anyone ever has, uh, it, it, there's never been a 30-year more dominant streak than K-State is currently on. I don't think that that is going to last forever. And I do think that Lance Leopold, Leopold, i Sorry, I can't, I don't know which one. Leipold, is, but, but that's all right. I th- Leipold. I think Lance is going to be the guy who gets KU back to bowl eligibility as long as the folks give them enough time. And I, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm probably hoping, putting a lot of hope saying like, Hey, you know, I hope this is another classic beatdown because if it isn't, eventually these games are going to be close uh, more often than I would like it to be. So I, I think that, you know, Lance is the guy for KU, or at least if he's not the guy, I think. He he has a better shot at being the guy than almost anyone. I actually was a pretty big uh, David Baby fan towards the end. I, I I think it was a mistake letting him go uh, oh because my gosh. as we saw those final two games, he was he was close. But I think Lance. Is going to be the guy to get you guys back out of being like a meme status to being a respectable Power Five football team. I,
0: I only laugh because David Beatty was an absolute disaster. And no matter how many times that,
1: that's fine, but that's well, fine. But, yeah, look, but, but look at that final year though. Look at that final year for Beatty. And, and again, I'm not a KU fan, it doesn't matter. But if I, that final year under David Beatty was the best football I've seen from a KU team since Mark Mangino.
0: Well, right. So, so, so that final That's not year. Saying much, but. but but that that final year was a senior laden team with a whole bunch of guys that honestly shouldn't have stuck around, but the, their prior year, their, their junior year was so badly mismanaged by David Beatty that they didn't really have any options. And so it was you're one of those right. Yeah. Yeah. Again, so you, I mean, all
1: the team, I don't, I, no, 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 no. Just, right.
0: It's just, it, it's just funny because you know, I was, I was definitely all in on everything you were saying and all of your well wishes about Leipold and all of that until you're like, and David Beatty shouldn't have gotten fired. is was like, Oh crap. <laughs> now everyone's going to be like, Oh man, this guy has no idea what he's talking about when it comes to Kansas, but no, you know, it's one of those things where Beatty was definitely in over his head. Um, it was about time for him to get fired. And no matter how many announcers wanted to stump for him and talk about how he should have another year, it was clear to anybody that was, that was able to pay attention to his recruiting, especially, you know, he went from, from, uh, you know, taking well, he, a whole he was of, a
1: lame duck that, that final year, I, I think, I think well, regardless but even before of how, then, how, what was going on. And I think that lame duck status really screwed that class. I don't, I don't think I, I. Honestly, they should have fired him before that final season. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. They didn't give him a chance to save his job. No, no, no. no. Right. But but, yeah,
0: it was one of those things that that third year, there was so many expectations after they got the win against Texas the prior year. Um, But, you know, as things started to go downhill, he lost all of his recruiting class. He came into that final year with three guys signed or I'm sorry, three guys committed to that recruiting class before the season started and lost two of them before he even ended up getting fired. So it was one of those things where recruiting was always going to be a big issue and he kind of sold out on Juco guys because he, you know, he, he basically put them in the exact same scholarship situation that they were in with Weiss beforehand. But regardless, you know, it is, it is definitely one of those things. I, I do agree with you. Light Leipold has a much better track record of building programs. And while his recruiting hasn't necessarily been the biggest strength of what he, of, of, you know, his prior um, co- coaching stops, you know, he has shown the ability to develop a bunch of guys and he, you know, he wasn't really in a fertile recruiting ground. Um, You know, and really Buffalo is not a place where you can bring a lot of big name recruits and get really good classes. So it's like that's one of those things that maybe worries you a little bit if you're looking for something to be worried about. But until he gets into Kansas and struggles to bring in recruiting classes for three or four years, you just have to assume that his ability to coach guys up and really develop guys is where you can build that strength of the program and really hope that he is able to resurrect the program. But all right, Scott, thank you so much for joining me tonight. I I think we'll go ahead and leave it there. One, because we're going a little bit longer than I normally do, but also just because I don't know how much more there is to actually say about this game. Hopefully it's a, it's an entertaining game that everybody really enjoys uh, regardless of who wins that both teams can hopefully take some positive signs from this game. Um, You know, unless of course, Kansas pulls off the upset and then, Oh, well, who cares if, if Kansas state can take anything positive from this game. So um, I was
1: going to, to hop in and say you're you're, you're right. a bigger man than me because quite frankly I you know I I've I'm not as hostile despite what my brother is trying to tell me on Twitter towards uh, KU I I, I actually uh, want good things for them every other game this year I I hope you guys take nothing good from it I hope this is the most embarrassing loss in the rivalry for you guys so I was going to call you the bigger man but I'm glad you showed uh,
0: some some more uh some more spice at the end oh well yeah no you know what I, like I said I you know, well, w- when you have a team as bad as Kansas has been over the, over the long haul, you have to find other big 12 teams that you can be happy about their success. Um, you know, that still doesn't mean that I want them to be successful against KU. So, uh, you know, we'll just, we'll just kind of leave that there, but Scott, where, where can everybody find your work online?
1: Yeah. So, uh, my Twitter account at Scott Wildcats, um, and then at Bosco's boys, B O S C O E S B O Y S on Twitter. I've been doing a, uh, Sunflower Showdown tweet of the day from the account. And the last two actually, and I just wanted to throw this out there, have been pointing out the longevity and kind of historic nature of this rivalry. I think because it has been lopsided in kind of the social media age. And uh, of course, you know, KU fans want to remind K-State fans at every turn how great you guys were versus us before World War I. Um, I. I think it gets lost that this is one of the most played rivalry games in the history of college football. It's one of the most consecutively played games in the history of college football. And I actually think both athletic departments probably need to do a better job of telling the stories of you know this historic rivalry and how often they played. Because again, you look at the Wikipedia page and you don't see some of these storied rivalries played more than K-State, KU. And I think uh, K-State fans and KU fans on both sides of it should celebrate the longevity and the historic nature of this rivalry even if it is just been a long series of one side dominating for long periods over the other. Uh, I, I yeah. do think that, you know, in case in it has this exact same thing with Iowa state, I think that athletic departments need to celebrate some of these long storied histories, especially in the new big 12, where you're losing some of your bellwether bell cow rivalries. Uh, yes. They aren't as big on a national scale, but they've been playing this, you know, for, you know, to for a century and a half at this point, you know, some of them. So I just wanted to throw that out there and, uh, you know, have fun, interact with me on Twitter. I, I, I like to joke around with everyone. Uh, I like to have a fun time. And whenever the time comes, if KU ever beats K-State football again, uh, at Scott Wildcat, feel free to troll me. Feel free to uh, dunk on me because, you know, that's what makes college sports fun. I'll be right there on basketball season two. I'm sure you guys are going to win at least two, maybe three this year. Uh, so, so give it to me. I can take as well as I can uh, give it. And that's, what's fun about college sports, being able to rid your buddies on the internet. So I appreciate you letting me come on and uh, yeah, for you know, sure. it's all, all your fans out there. I think KU football is going to get better. And uh, you know, I, I, I'm looking forward to this game on Saturday. And I think even in 2022, it's going to be even more fun game.
0: Yeah, for sure. It definitely is. And you know what, since you opened the door for it, you're right. It is one of the longest, you know, running rivalries. Um, but you know Kansas still win or is leading sixty four to forty nine in terms of wins. So um, I'll just go ahead and uh, and That's leave that what, there. What's the record you know.
1: in your lifetime? By the way,
0: um, you know what? I really don't care at this point. So all I can, all I have to say is yeah, I can guarantee that that Kansas State is not going to win enough straight to be able to overtake the lead before Kansas is able to start getting wins again. So. Um, Ooh. I mean, I mean, I mean, come on, that would be another 15 uh, wins straight at this point that Kansas state would have to get. I can guarantee you that Kansas is going to get at least one in the next five.
1: So, okay. Final thing. And I'll let you end your, and end your show. Sorry. I, I know this. Goes no, on no, a that, that's all right. This is, this is why people only bring me on once they have a lot of fun, but it always goes longer. Real, real question over the next 20 gun to your head. How, like, if I set the over under at four and a half, in the next twenty for K U K State football, do you take the over for K U wins? Oh so easily over the there. Easy? You say you say the next twenty? I yeah, would,
0: I would say I would say that Kansas wins minimum seven or eight.
1: Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh we might need to come up with some sort of bet and uh hope that I'm still alive in twenty years. <laughs>
0: collect on that yeah yeah we'll have to find some way to make sure that we keep the track of that so um, yes, definitely well thanks you again know for what that means me on and I'll, that I'll locks you, you in that lives. locks you in for the next uh for the next 20 years coming on the podcast to talk about this game so.
1: as, as long as i'm still kicking i'll always come on your yeah show, for sure I mean,
0: all right all right well scott thank you so much for joining me thank you guys so much for listening if you haven't already please go out wherever you get your podcast it's apple podcast spotify stitch or any of the million apps that are out there just search for rock chalk podcast so you can subscribe and get every episode as soon as it comes out if you can give us a rating and a review five stars nice comments will be Absolutely great. But if not, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. Really do bring the podcast to you guys to get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at podcast and or on Twitter at pod We are on the anchor platform, so you can leave us a voicemail, get your voice on the show. Just go to anchor.fm slash rock chalk podcast slash message, and I promise I'll get your voice on the show. Um, would love to get your guys' comments. If you can give us that that rating and that review, I promise that I'll go ahead and be reading those out as well. I'm hoping to get 15 to 20 of those by the end of the year so I can get all those right out. But um, we are as part of the 1012 Network. You can find all the great shows we have covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. Just go to at 1012 uh, Network on Twitter. That's T-E-N-1-2 Network. Uh, you can find links to all the great shows there. We have a lot of fantastic ones, especially the new ones that are just killing it right now. So, uh, But that's going to do it for us today. Make sure you go visit all the sponsors we have symbol and gridiron metal use promo code Chalk 12 you get great deals over there but um scott thank you again for joining me thank you guys so much for listening and i'll catch you guys next time on the rock chalk podcast Welcome to Between Two Bears, the newest 1012 Network podcast. Uh, this is Matt is Bear. I'm going to introduce my co-host, Evan Abear, uh, to give you a quick idea of what the show is about. Yeah, Between Two Bears is going to be a it's going to be a great sorry. Between two bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid. Between two bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid side of Baylor Sports. Hey, I'm gonna try one more time. Big tween two. Okay, uh, Evan. Evan's gonna go take a nap. Um, but we are excited to join the Ten Twelve Network along with the rest of their already great lineup of Big Twelve podcasts. Check them out at Ten Twelve Network on Twitter and us as well at Matt Is Bear and at Evan A Bear uh, Sick'em Bears. This is Brandon
1: Phoenix, a.k.a. I Also Hate Pit, joined by my brother, Jeremy
0: J. N. Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode.
1: You can join in the fun anytime, anyplace. Get at your boys.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.